You're listening to Catacomb Podcast, a twisted underground pathway from cynicism to solutions. Welcome to Catacomb Podcast. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Jay, did you have a great Thanksgiving? I did, yes. It was pretty relaxed. Was it? Because of the whiskey, but... Whiskey? <laughs> what kind of turkey are you, how do you eating? How do you get through the holidays with your family? I actually love my family, Jay. I love my family too, but the whiskey helps. <laughs> well, you know, I had a nice surprise. I haven't showed it to you yet, Jay. But I came home from work the other night, and sitting on the kitchen table was a piece of art that my daughter created that said catacomb podcast and it had a skull Aww. on it with fire yes perfect it's better than our other logo maybe we should get a new logo maybe that's the new one i think that is the new. i don't logo. think anyone's even seen our current one so well we have a special guest with us we do today and uh he's talking a selfie right now selfie time <laughs> with us this evening in East Nashville, the Smokers Abbey. With us at midnight is... Well, that's when we record, Preston. Yeah. And actually, it's only 11, bro. Dang it's only 11. That's I said late. your name. I'm sorry. 10 o'clock in Boise. With us is... Uh, you got the last part, right? Christian speaker, author, scholar, doctor, Preston Spink. <laughs> what you... I don't know. Do you I don't know. <laughs> I'm a doctor. <laughs> oh my gosh. I don't need those kind of checkups, bro. I don't care how much you beg. <laughs> From now on, that's your name, Dr. Preston Sphincter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, stay in. Yeah, that stay may in. have to stay in. <laughs> so we have Preston Sprinkle with us. And um, I first met Preston summer before last. In a debate, which I'm pretty sure I smoked in. Dialogue, dialogue. I, right. It was definitely a debate, debate, and I definitely won it. We agreed. What's that? Didn't we agree on everything we're talking about? Yeah, I think that was the problem. I agree with you. I don't know if you agree with me. I was ready to win a debate <laughs> because the, uh, the guys down at Audio Feed Festival told us that it was a debate, told me that it was a debate, which I'm not a debater. Who told you that? I think you know who told what, me what that. Did your, your, you, you told us that your wife scouted the other participants out, and what was her? What did she say to you? And I you think she up? just urged me not to go. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I feel confident that I won. <laughs> I'm sticking with you. That. Won. I was moderating the the debate, and yeah. I was it. A de- See, he's the one that was calling it a debate. Jay was agreed. calling it a debate. It was me, you, and Claiborne, right? That was Claiborne. Shane, Shane Claiborne, Claiborne, yeah. You and Shay Claiborne. Hey, we and should. Joshua Stump. How could the three of us not agree? Look at us. Well, I mean, we're practically the same people. <laughs> for sure. I, yeah, I, I claimed that you were the winner because I see you more often. So, oh, man. Is that what happens? Preston, you won too. We're all winners. This is, you get participation. Think, what was the topic? I can't remember. I don't. I don't remember either at this point. Something about church, right? Is that what we're talking about tonight? We're gonna talk about something church? about church. Yeah. We're gonna talk about Sunday school. Look at you bringing it into a segue. <laughs> nice. He's a professional <laughs> podcaster. Yeah, he is. What's the title Can of you your? Advertise my podcast really quick. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not me. This looks. 
I don't know that I know all the information. You have a podcast called Theology in the Raw, and it's on iTunes. Theology in the Raw. Subscribe to that. If you subscribe to Catacomb, also subscribe to Theology in the Raw. Well, one reason why I'm excited about Preston being here, in all seriousness, is he has a very unique perspective on some of the issues that we face in the church, annoyances, we could say. In fact, you've kind of made a career out of writing books about things. You have a new book coming out. Is that something you can talk about? Yeah. So my new book uh, that just came out, well, as of now, when we're recording, it's coming out next week. So whenever this is going to air, December 8th is when it's released. It's called People to be Loved, Why Homosexuality is Not Just an Issue. So it's a, for lack of better terms, it's a, it's a summary of my last few years in my journey in learning about and wrestling with uh, the topic of uh, Christianity and homosexuality. Um, so it's, it talks about the Bible, talks about people, talks about all kinds of things, how the church has gotten some things right, how the church has gotten some things wrong. And uh, Jay and I talk a lot about the book. He's read some of it. And uh, my, my, my conclusion is either uh, <laughs> a lot of people are going to like it or a lot of people are really going <laughs> to I'm really going to hate it. You're going to so. piss a lot of people off, to be to be honest. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're both what, sides. Why, why? Like what? What? Uh, what? From from the bits you've read and you've heard me talk about it, what do you think about it will make people mad? And which which people will it? Well, uh, the people who are you know what they call affirming are are going to be yeah. upset that you're not affirming, right? And yeah. that you're actually unpacking the scriptures to yeah. say that there's there's really not a case to be made for an affirming argument. You know, you're walking that middle ground, yeah. and people on the left and the right are going to be upset right. with, with yeah. what you what you end up saying yeah. and how you say it. Yeah. Um, what Josh and I are doing are trying to work through our own issues with church, and we're, we both tend to be pretty cynical dudes. Yeah. Um, and so we're church trying will, to church will do that to you. <laughs> yes. So, but we're trying to not be cynical. We're trying to find the uh, the good in yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, but talk a little bit about why you wrote this book and uh, i mean was there a cynical mindset behind it uh, i think that there's probably a lot of people who are cynical towards the church yeah, because, because of this of it, issue yeah. no no I, I wouldn't say there's there's no i, I do have uh, a good dose of cynicism in me for good or for ill uh but that wasn't what led me to the book i think i think what led me to write the book was was a genuine uh well first of all a genuine desire to get my my head around a controversial topic. Um, this is a few years ago, and it was obviously contra- controversial then. It's even more so now. So, so I began the journey with uh, more of an intellectual desire to want to say, okay, what does the Bible really say about this? But in that journey, as I explained in the book, um, I started to talk to and befriend a lot of LGBT people, and that that really um, it wrecked me. It really wrecked me. I no longer saw homosexuality as just like like the title of the book, like like some issue to, you know, win an argument over, but people that have been truly damaged by how they've been treated by the church. And and some people will say, well, yeah, it, it's it's the traditional sexual ethic that is intrinsically harmful to gay people. And maybe some people have felt that way. I, I know some that have, but by far the large majority of gay and lesbian people I've talked to, it's not the the traditional ethic in and of itself. It's the posture 
of Christians who have held to that ethic that has been dehumanizing and isolating um, and, and really just truly damaging to gay people who have been raised in the church. I mean, did you know that something like 80 to 90% of LGBT people were raised in some sort of religious context, most of them a conservative evangelical church? That's crazy. So all, all the, when we look at these, you know, the LGBT community and the Christians get all mad at how aggressive they are and everything, uh, much of that is blowback. It, it's, it's a reaction against them being so dehumanized by Christians that that is what's producing the sort of, in some cases, the, the, the volatile reaction against Christians. And the Christians, all they do is they see the tip of the iceberg and they say, wow, they're so angry at us. They hate us and everything. I'm like, yeah, but let's, any decent counselor will ask, well, where's this coming from? Once you do that, oftentimes it comes to some deeply unchristian negative experience that they had in, in the church. Well, so Josh and I are trying to find solutions. Um, it's easy to identify problems. I, I think it's, it, yeah. it, it's easy to see what's wrong with things. So I'm going, to, I'm going to push you a little bit. Okay, I good. I haven't finished your book, so maybe you okay. get to this in your book. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you probably don't. So <laughs> what would you say the church has done right okay, yeah. in the LGBT issue? Um, well, when we're talking about churches, obviously this is we're broad brushing, so that, that's tough because I think even though I would say many evangelical churches have traditionally not had a good posture on this topic, there are some that have ha- that have done a good job, and I think we need to acknowledge that. Um, unfortunately, there is a loud a loud majority that, um, when they mention homosexuality, it is it is a it is a very all they when they mention it, all they do is say it's wrong, like that's it. It's, it's wrong. It's like well, homosexuality is much more than just a conversation about gay sex, you know, and that's really what they mean by it's wrong. It's like, you know, homosexuality affects people on so many levels that the church hasn't even really considered. So, I mean, to answer your question, what it's gotten right. Um, again, I, I am very adamant that the, that the historic Christian sexual ethic is right. So in that sense, I think they've gotten the ethics, right? Sometimes they don't haven't, gotten the ethic right for the right reasons. They use passages out of context or they just kind of assume it to be wrong and that's why they believe it. But yeah, I, th- I think when the church says, no, we, we do maintain that sexual relations belong within the covenant confines of a male-female marriage, I, that's right. I think that's, that's right. Um, and I think also some Christians who have made these kind of public stands on that, you know, we, th- we think of like the Chick-fil-A debates and the Baker and the, you know, all, all these kind of things that get blown up in the media even though sometimes I disagree with how they've gone about that, I, I, part of me obviously does still, you know, honor their courage and say, no, I believe God has said this and I'm going to go where my conscience is leading me to, to say, this is, I'm going to stand for truth, even if it costs me my job or whatever. So, so I think there are, there are values there that I think I'm going to, I'm going to applaud even if some of the posture in which people have gone about that has been, has been wrong. Do you, do you really think though that, um, the two sides of this debate that, that there is a point of reconciliation or is, or is this something that's irreconcilable? Well, yeah, there's, there's different, um, there, there's two theological sides or ethical sides. Right. Um, but there's variation within that. So that's where, 
when you say reconciliation, I would say it, it depends on who you're talking about. I, I know, I know people in the affirming camp who I think are humble. They, they want to reconcile. They, they kind of agree to disagree, but they're not obnoxious. They, they, they seem to have a high view of God and, and all this stuff. Um, but then there's other people in that camp that I think I don't strike me as being very humble at all. But that, that goes both ways too. There's people in the conservative camp, same thing, that they're genuinely humble in how they hold their views and everything. And other people that are super arrogant. So, so we, yes, there's two camps, but there's, there's a lot of variation within those camps. Some people on both sides, I think, there could be reconciliation. I guess it depends on what you mean by reconciliation. Well, though, I guess what I'm getting at, to be clear, is um, what they're calling this third way. Oh, right. Okay. And so um, is that, is the third, is there such thing as a third way? Is, is there a middle uh, un, un, Do you want me to unpack it? Sure, go for it. A third way would say that the disagreement over same-sex relations can be in the same category as things like uh, maybe women in ministry or, or the charismatic gifts or church polity or Calvinism and Arminianism. Um, so the church has, has figured out how, in some cases, <laughs> has figured out how to have fellowship and unity within this diversity because these differences are secondary. So the third way approach says, well, let's treat homosexuality as a sort of secondary case where Christians can hold to their convictions but kind of agree to disagree and yet still join together in communion and get along and fellowship together and everything. I just, I I think it's, I I do think it's bigger than a secondary issue. I think it does same sex attraction, orientation relationships. I mean, it, it does speak to something that's pretty fundamental to human nature and, um, it, it is in the category of sexual, morality, sexual immorality. And I don't see scripture giving precedence for agree to disagree on something that is considered sexually immoral. And, right. and that's where I, I, do, I do think it's categorically different. The, the, the best parallel may be like marriage and divorce. And this is where, this is where I've appreciated the pushback from the affirming crowd is they said, look, the evangelical church has been totally relaxed on remarriage after divorce, even though the Bible is pretty comes out pretty strong against that. And we've kind of said, well, it's okay. You know, it's like, we don't kick people out of church if they come in and they're went through an unbiblical divorce and remarried and everything, even though Jesus comes on really hard on that. So that would be the closest, I think analogous, uh, moral issue that the church has been able to kind of agree to disagree. But I don't know. I, I, w- I would, with that spe- specific issue, I would say that I think the church maybe needs to be a little more clear on what they believe about that. Oh, so so to be clear though, your third way is not really an option. I, I don't, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, I, I I did a series of blogs on it where I uh, uh, Ken Wilson is um, se- seems like a super godly guy, and I think it would be fun to hang out with him here in the shop over <laughs> bourbon and cigars. I think you'd uh, I think you'd hang out here. Um, but I yeah, I don't think the case he tried to make 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 for the third way. I just, I just, and he, he's the guy who wrote the book called the third way. Right? Uh, it's, um, Oh, I'm blanking on the name of it. Uh, 
I can picture the, the yeah. cover. I can't. I don't think it has the title. A, the, the title doesn't have the name Third Way in it. What is it? Third Way. Did he coin the phrase though? He co- I think he he championed it at least. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you know, there, there was good things in the book, but at the end of the day, I just don't think that the topic of same sex relations, whether or not they are sanctifiable or not, I don't think that they, that there's a parallel there between that and other quote unquote secondary issues, um, in the Christian faith. All right. I'm going to shift gears on you a little bit. You like shoot guns, right? I saw a picture of you. (laughs) With, uh, with a gun in your hand. I do. You look pretty happy. I love the hunt. Yeah. <laughs> so we we in the news here lately. There's uh, people. Oh, you're not going to gun control. I'm not ready for this. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go gun, ahead. Gun this, is, this is this so is. Uh, we had the guy in Colorado who, uh, I you know I didn't really even read all the reports, but you know just mm-hmm. kind of unloaded at an abortion clinic. And then today, I haven't even been on the internet enough to really know all the details yet. So I can't speak informatively. But in San Bernardino, California, which is pretty close to your old stopping My grounds. Home state, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we had uh, a mass shooting as well. So, that was today? Yeah, yeah, yeah today. I, I think I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Um, what... What do you make of all this? What do you make of the mass shootings? What do you? What, what's the solution? I mean, the, and go ahead. You you wrote a book about a Christian view of violence, yeah. and um, you 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 have, you're an authority on the subject. Well, you know it's funny. So I yeah I wrote a book on Christ, defending Christian nonviolence. I am I don't like to term pacifist, but that's the popular term. So for lack of better terms, I'm a I'm a pacifist. Um, and yet I. Yeah, I, I hunt, I own guns, I like to shoot. I just don't shoot them. NRA at, member? I don't shoot them at people. No, no. Oh, no. you haven't joined the NRA? No, no, I want you. No, no. I hunt and I eat the meat. And unless I'm a total vegan on principle, I think it's consistent. I don't think it's wrong right. to kill an animal and eat it. Um, I, th- I think there's deeper, when we live in a culture where between the... Um, Oh, how do I got to be careful here? The overly positive view of our military, or, or I would say militarism. We are fascinated with power, military might, winning military victories, um, video games that are super violent, movie. Like we, we have, we as in like our American society has created this, we have glorified military might and violence. And so when, you know, you have some, you know, you know, nutcases that go and start opening fire on people. To me, it's like, well, we, we have a, a culture that values <laughs> violence on, on many levels. So I, I don't, as sad as it is, I think it's almost inevitable that if we're going to push these other things, if we're going to, if we're going to be proud of our guns and proud of our, you know, uh, hyper powerful military and nuclear weapons and all this stuff and be all you can be, you know, you have the whole, you know, military narrative that just makes people want to go and I mean, fight and win wars. Like the, the byproduct I think of that is the things that we see. Yeah. I, that's a lot of what I say in, when, when I get into a discussion on gun control, where I'm from down in South Arkansas, this is not a problem. And the reason it's not a problem, because as soon as you are big enough to hold a gun, you're taught to hold a gun. Right. And you're afraid of it. 
Really? I mean, yeah. you're, you're taught to revere that weapon. You know, it's used as a tool, obviously. You know, your deer, you know, people where I'm from are deer hunting when they're six, right. seven years old. Yeah. You know, and so you're taught, you go through um, hunting safety courses yeah. and you're taught how to use a gun safely. You're taught different methods and, you know, you're, you're taught that this, this is a dangerous thing. And okay. so there, you know, we'd have guys bringing guns to school consistently because they're going hunting right after school or they've yeah. been hunting in the morning and then come to school. And this was never a threat yeah. because the, the pervasive attitude was not glorifying these things, but that there's a healthy reverence for mm-hmm. what they can do. And so in the culture where I grew up, I just can't even imagine there being a mass shooting or anything like that. That's not, that's not a part of the ethos of gun, uh, gun use and gun ownership in the area of the country I'm from. And but I don't, but what about I mean okay so you're saying that people grow up with a respect for guns a fear of guns a knowledge of how to use it safety and everything but that doesn't I don't think that would necessarily mean that every now and then a some crazy person or some angry person could it's possible what I'm saying is though the culture of glorifying violence and that there's like this oh look at these awesome cool guns mm-hmm. and all this that's just not the the attitude about uh, about firearms um at least growing and you know what it may be now i'm just saying when i was a kid yeah, yeah, in the yeah. area you know we didn't have the 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 mass shooting video games when i was a kid either so it could be different now i just say it, it, the, you know the american mindset is not one that highly values peace um loving your enemy reconciliation forgiveness and so if somebody gets angry and their whole culture is you know um express yourself act on your desires individualism don't let anybody tell you what to do and if anybody harms you you harm them back and this this is this is the culture i think we're living in so if i mean of course if somebody's angry wronged you know these people that do the mass shootings you know maybe they were like mistreated growing up their whole life and then in a culture that says hey if you're mistreated you need to fight back and defend yourself and get back at them I and mean, that that is what we are fed i think and so to me, it's like, well, of course you're going to get a few people that are just going to lose it and start shooting people. Like, I don't... Right. So yeah. you're saying that it's it's really a bigger issue than gun control. No, yeah. It's more of a systemic cultural yeah. issue. Abs- absolutely. It's, it's values in our culture that... But this is new. This is new, right? Because there traditionally haven't been these mass shootings and, you know, yeah. some yeah. sicko goes yeah. and blows up a, yeah. a, a theater or something like that. You know, I mean, it, it's... That's... Yeah. That's a new thing. So has the culture changed? I don't. Yeah, I mean, that's, I can't really speak to that. Really, I mean, I, I would. I think. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like <laughs> you are speaking to it. Uh, because so the the cultural values that are feeding into this, and um, I would say it's probably increasing that that emphasis on power, that emphasis on individualism, the emphasis on act on your desires. I mean, I think that's yeah. the narcissism, and you know. I think all those things kind of feed into it. So we're a more narcissistic. And things have changed. Like, I mean, just little things like, you know, the, the violence in video games or in movies and stuff. Like, it's, it, yeah, that's definitely, I mean, that's absolutely increasing. And so it's becoming more normal for, um, you know, if, if somebody's harming you or is a threat or you just don't like them, like, you can act out and take care of that person. I think that's, that has increased, that that is actually allowed and encouraged. So. I mean, think, think about this. If, if we have, if, if we have, a, um, if, we, if we have a, a, a terrorist attack or something overseas, like the, the, the national response is 
let's go get those bad guys, right? So on a, how, how can we promote that and not expect on an individual level, if somebody is being mocked and shamed at school, that that same motivation, let's go get those guys, won't right. transfer on an individual level. That's like the, like the, the, the nationalistic response is going to filter down to the individualistic response. I'm just thinking out loud, by the way. I've never even thought about that. Oh, <laughs> it's good. making that's sense, good. though, isn't that's it? Good. No, that's good. <laughs> like I, and I'm not... I, mean, I don't want to put – there's, there's various factors, and, and it's complex, and, and there's evil and sin and wickedness that we just – it's just always going to be there. But, um, yeah, I, I do think that we have a unique American addiction to power and victory through military might that is going to filter down on an individual level, and that's, that's got to factor into all this stuff somehow. Yeah. So – have you have you come out publicly and said what your stance is on gun control? I, I don't I don't think I have a stance. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Uh, what if they made you give up your guns? Well, this is where you know um, Romans thirteen. <laughs> we talked about this earlier today. Says submit to your government. So I would gladly, out of submission to Christ, submit to my government unless they tell me to do something that conflicts with Jesus. Jesus never said you must own a gun. So I'm like, yeah, I would yeah. I would be the first one in line saying, here you go. Here's my guns. Um, I will gladly give this up because of my submission to Jesus Christ, according to Romans 13. Now, Preston, <laughs> actually, it was on our podcast just a couple weeks ago. We discussed Romans 13 <laughs> and the uh, insanely bad interpretation <laughs> of uh, of that. So, I don't know if you do. You really believe that? You would submit to your government strictly as in obedience to Christ. If the gover- if the government is telling me to do something that does not conflict with my Christian values, so if they say stop praying, I'm going to say up yours. I'm going to keep praying. If they say turn in your guns, then I'm going to say, well, that's that doesn't conflict with my Christian values. People say, well, that's your freedom. Well, again, that's not a, that's an American value, and, and maybe there's contradictions between. Uh, the government saying you shouldn't own guns and previous American values, but those aren't Christian values. Man, um, I really wish we weren't out of time on this subject. We've had to come back <laughs> on this subject, but we have we had some good things. And first of all, yeah. we really love you, man. <laughs> we dig you, and yeah. and and I told you, you really you're quite gutsy guy, and. uh you yeah. really toe the middle line, the middle line that makes everybody angry. And I, and I like that <laughs> yeah. about you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so I hope that we... What are your thoughts on gun control? I want to... What's, you guys have already been talking about this. I don't even know, I don't even know where I'm getting into here. And, and again, well, we, I, I, don't, I don't have a... I re, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what I think about it. Well, we haven't really discussed gun control. I, I'll tell you mine. And it's pretty simple. I believe, historically speaking, that... When a government takes arms from its people, it is a precursor to fascism, which, as a Christian, is going to be bad for the church. Fascism has always been bad for the church. And so I believe empowering the people to stand up to their government, which is why we have a right to bear arms in the first place, is going to maintain more freedom for the church to be the church in the world. And so politically speaking... Um, I want policies that are going to enable us to be kingdom people. And I think the right to bear arms protects those freedoms 
such as the freedom of religion, such as the freedom to proselytize, you know, to do evangelism, um, things like that, that when a state has total authority because they're not threatened by the people that they govern, then they just make these rules. And the first ones to go are usually the church. So, so you're not saying that the gun control laws for or against are intrinsic to uh, the Christian faith. You're saying that it would be like a sign that we're going to go in a direction that would limit our Christian freedom. So it's, so it's not directly linked to uh, the Christian faith. Was that, or, well, it would. So in the same way that what we talk about the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace that was a, a period of peace in the first century, which enabled the propagation of the gospel, you know, it enabled Paul to go on his missionary journeys. Well, that ended with Neronian persecution. So, all of a sudden, we're limited in our ability to do mission. We're limited in our ability to to plant churches throughout the known world because all of a sudden Christians can't move move around with impunity and freedom anymore. In the same way, I think a government that is favorable to freedom, Christian freedom is the one that I'm concerned about, freedom to be the church, is going to be most conducive to us obeying Christ in our mission. And I think the right to bear arms is kind of fundamental to, to that tension between the populace and the government being maintained. Plus, we know that Peter had a concealed carry permit. (laughs) (laughs) And Christ said, put that thing away, man. What are you you doing flashing that thing around? Hold on, put that piece away. And he picked up an ear off the ground, which was pretty awesome. I I think that we can all fairly agree that Christ did not need a carry permit to do his work. Yeah. Um, so, but dang, so, but dang, Peter let, had it. He yeah. pulled that sword right out. Let, let me add this. I, I would say that if we're dealing strictly with a gospel Christian perspective, that the right to bear arms, whether we have it or not, is irrelevant to the advancement of the gospel. Would yeah. you agree with that? Well, yeah, I think I would like say the, like the ki- the advancement yeah, of the true. kingdom of God yeah, is neither dependent on nor hindered by the right to bear arms or not. I think we're just we're. we're I thought we were supposed to talk about church. We're, we're, all on, we're on different perspectives, anyways, aren't we? That's why we're having this radio yeah. podcast <laughs> in the catacombs. Love in, the title in the catacombs here at the Smokers Abbey. And um, what's up, guys? Did you go to the conference tonight? Did you hear? Did you hear some good preaching? See, we're not. We are actually in a cigar lounge right now. Yeah. <laughs> let me let me give a little context here. Yeah, give some context. Okay, so I'm I'm in a uh, cigar lounge with a pastor slash owner of the cigar lounge. <laughs> You're a pastor, right? The debt carrier. Yeah. Yes. I'm a pastor and a debt yeah. carrier for a business. <laughs> <laughs> this is a very unique place in East Nashville. We're in East Nashville, right? That's yeah, where we're that's at. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, hey, Preston, tell us again, where can we find your books? Where can we listen to your podcast? Uh, my podcast is Theology in the Raw. Uh, website, PrestonSprinkle.com. You can find everything there. Or Amazon. People, I, I literally get emails from people, hey, I want to buy your book. Where, where, where do I find it? There's this place called Amazon that if you look it up, or maybe Google G O O G L E, it may bring up. 
<laughs> so, yeah. There's some cynicism. There's, some, yeah, there's there my is. cynicism. Bam. Nailed it. <laughs> well, we thank you for coming around to the catacomb. <laughs>